1: and thank you for joining us. It's always wonderful to be with you on a Wednesday afternoon. And we're going to look at some interesting um, yacht sites, the commemorations of the passing of some great people within the Jewish people. And then we're going to look at the great opportunity we have at this time as we approach the holy month of Nisan, which is uh, next Thursday, and the importance of this time in the Canada. The Shabbos, of course, being Shabbos HaChoides, we read a special Maftir and Avtira. Marking the entrance of the new month of Nissan. But let's first start out with this week And this week started, Sunday was the 19th of Adar The 19th day of the month of Adar in the Jewish calendar Was this Sunday, the 12th of March And Sunday was the yacht site of Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld was born in 1848 He died in 1932 And he was the beloved leader Of Jerusalem Jewry during the first part of the 20th century at a time when the community was reestablishing itself after many centuries of exile whether dealing with immigration issues fending of violence from the Arab community or uh, ensuring the spiritual sanctity of Jerusalem Rabbi Sonnenfeld stood at the forefront of the battle to protect Jews in the Jewish capital. In that difficult time he was a man of courage Scholarship, kindness, integrity, and piety. And he became the symbol um, of the holy city that he loved so much. So Sunday was the site of Rabbi Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld. Um, and we moving on. So let's look then at Monday. Monday was the 20th of Adar. And the 20th of Adar was the yotzite of Rav Yul Circus. Rav Yul Circus, otherwise known as the Bach. He was born in 1561. He died in 1641. He wrote a famous commentary called Bais Chadash*, which the acronym of the first two letters is Bach. He was the um, chief rabbi of Krakow in Poland. He also had other prominent rabbinic positions, but that was his most famous one. And the last years of his life were in Krakow. He was the teacher and father-in-law of Rav David Halevi, who authored the famous work Taz. And he's buried in the Krakow Cemetery, the Bach. Um, I've been to his grave. Also, Monday, was the yurt site of Rabbi Shlomo Zaman al uh, the 20th of Adar. Rabbi Shlomo Zaman is a, it's a famous, familiar name to many of our listeners, I have no doubt. Um, Rabbi Shlomo Zaman was born in 1910, and he died in 1995, at the age of 85 He was a great leader of the Jews of Yerushalayim For most of the 20th century Rabbi Albach possessed a phenomenal command of Talmudic literature And he answered tens of thousands of questions That were posed to him from all corners of the Jewish world His rulings, most notably on scientific and technological and medical matters have been published in many different works, and we follow many of his rulings in uh, in these areas of halacha, these complicated areas of halacha. He was also known not only for his scholarship, his piety, his brilliant psak, but also for his piety and his love for every Jew. Um, he was known to delay davening because one of the street cleaners in Sharia Chesed, in the area that he was, um, was hadn't come to to Mincha yet, so he wouldn't start Mincha without him. So he, he loved and respected every Jew. I was very fortunate that I davened one Friday night in Chareis in the shul. I was actually learning in Chareis in, in a yeshiva called Midrash Shmuel, and the Rosh Hashanah would daven at a place called the Gra, which is the acronym for the Vulna Gohan It was the shul that he davened in, and Rav Shlomo Shwadron the great Maggid of Yerushalayim, also davened in the same minyan. It was a small little minyan in the Gra. Our daven there went Friday night and the two of them would stand outside arm in arm wishing good Shabbos to everybody who was in the shul. Really was a great um, highlight and a great privilege to see the two of them and to shake their hands off the davening on a Friday night. Um, very gentle, very kind, very brilliant people. Um, Rav Abach also, he amazingly testified at the um, Leviah, at the funeral of his wife. That throughout their marriage, she and his wife never hurt one another. That unbelievable level of sensitivity. He said he can't remember any time where they hurt each other's feelings. This is the level of self-control of these holy, incredible people. Um, he was very beloved, Rosh Hashanah, and there was an estimated 300,000 people that attended his funeral, which was the largest, largest funeral um, since Mishnaic times, up until then, up until 1995. When he passed away. Okay, so moving on. So that was Monday the 20th of Adar. Yesterday was the 21st of Adar. 21st of Adar is very significant. Because there were two yotzites that took place. The yotzites of two very great people, 21st of Adar. The first one was Rav Yitzhak el Spektor, Specter. Known as the Kovno Rav. He was the Rav of Kovno. Um, which Kovno is one of the second largest city in Lithuania. The largest city, of course, is Vilna, and second to Vilna is Kovno. Rav Spector was the Rov of Kovno. He was born in 1817. He died in 1896. And uh, in those days, at that time, so um, the um, the uh, position of Rov of Kovno was one of the most prominent ones in the Jewish world. He collaborated with many of his contemporaries, including Rav Yisrael Solanta and Rav Shimshon Rafa Hirsch. And he's got a collection of his response, of his um, answers to complicated halachic shalas, which are called Ber Yitzchak. Um, also, various institutions have been named after him, including the Rabbi Isaac el Theological Seminary of the Yeshiva University, um, which is the base midrash part of the Yeshiva University, is named after Rav it's Yitzhak el Inspector. Specter. Um, I also was at his grave. His grave is in the Kovno Cemetery. Uh, one can go visit his grave. It's actually an incredible place, the Kovno Cemetery, a very mysterious, powerful place, like many of these cemeteries that one finds in Eastern Europe. Um, so the Yotzat yesterday was of the Kovno Rov of Rav Yitzhak el Inspector. Yesterday also, the 21st of Adar, was the Yotzat of a very great person, of Rav Elimelech of Lijansk, the Noam Elimelech. So I want to speak a little bit about the Noam Elimelech and uh, who he was and why he um, was such a powerful, influential figure within the Jewish world. One of the most visited graves in Eastern Europe is the is the grave of the Noam Elimelech, um, Rav Elimelech of Lijansk, and the reason why we visit graves Often I talk about You know Great people On the Yotzite And I've been to their graves Or many people make pilgrimage, Pilgrimages To their graves The reason why we do that Is that it, uh, Firstly It's very important to note The Chovetz Chaim writes In the Bura That you visit the grave Of a great person You don't dive into that person Chas for That's not Judaism In Judaism We don't dive into people We dive into Hashem And there's no intermediaries Between us and Hashem Every single Jew has direct access to Hashem. But when you go to the grave of a righteous person, so um, our holy tradition tells us, it's written in Drosh Haran that the great holy people are aware of what's going on in the world. And when we visit the graveside, we dive into Hashem in the schus of this person, in the merit of that individual, in the merit of the greatness that that person generated, the spiritual energy that person generated in their lifetime, that energy can be accessed at their grave. And we daven to Hashem that in the merit of this great person, our prayer should be answered. And that it's our tradition that that holy person then will daven to Hashem also on our behalf based on the prayers that we are davening at their gravesite. So it's a very powerful thing that we're davening based on their merit, in the merit of what they've achieved so our prayer should be answered. And then they daven for us in Shemaim, the eternal world, on our behalf when we daven at their gravesite. So that's why... There is a great Indian. It's an important thing within Judaism that we visit the graves of holy people. And one of the most visited graves is that of Rav Elimelech Abidjens because he was such an incredible person. So we will discuss him and what he did and why he was such a great person. Um, but it's important to mention uh, I've been there to the grave of in 2019. I went with Rav Pesach Kron and a group of people to uh, uh, Poland and Lithuania. And one of the highlights... Certainly was being at the Kever at the grave of Rabbi It really is an indescribable experience There's there's an energy and a power And a spiritual feeling That one connects to In that place which is quite um, It's quite Magnificent, it's really really powerful So we'll speak about The Noam Elimelech And his greatness when we return In a moment
0: This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Sachstein on 101.9 High FM.
1: Discussing the great and holy Rabbi Elimelech of Lizhensk, the author of the Sefer Noam Elimelech. Yesterday was his Yotzat. Um, Rabbi Elimelech of Lizhensk was born in 1717, in a small town in Poland called Tiktin, there were only about 2,000 inhabitants of the town. Inhabitants of the town, the Nazis murdered all of them um in the Second World War. So right now there are no Jews left in Tiktin, and that's where the Noam Melech was was born. And he spent most of his days in a small town called Lijensk in Poland. Um, and from the time of his passing, there became a tradition to go to his grave, to visit his grave when a person experienced difficulty or trauma or challenges in their life. They would go and daven at the kever of the Neumelie Melech and in particular on his yacht which was yesterday, the 21st of Adar. And uh, it's interesting to note that in 1936, there was a massive gathering at his grave that was just before the Holocaust. The Nazis were already in power in Germany and uh, obviously the Jews sensed the peril that they were under, the great grave danger that faced European Jewry at that time and so there was a particularly big gathering in 1936 at the graveside of the um, Noam Elimelech and some of the great Hasidic Rabbis of the time the Rebbe of Radomsk the Rebbe of Ostrovka, the Rebbe of Komana, they all came on um, the 21st of Adar 1936 um, to the Kevra of Rebbe Elimelech um, with the Holocaust of course uh, Polish Jewry was destroyed by the Nazis And uh, were Primarily wiped out The Jews of Poland, 3 million Jews of Poland Were almost entirely wiped out by the Nazis But after the war So a certain native Of the town of Lizhensk, his name was Boruch Safia um, He returned to Lizhensk in 1959 And uh, it was then Under communist rule, under the Russians He noticed in the marketplace That the um the gravestone of the Noam Elimelech. He actually was sent to the Soviet Gulag and returned in '59. And he saw in the marketplace that the matseva, the gravestone of the Noam Elimelech, was on sale in the marketplace. He bought it, and he reestablished the kever in 1960. And from that time, um, Jews began slowly to visit the kever again. Uh, a famous Bobova Chassid um, by the name of Mendel Rachberg then. Began even though it was behind the Iron Curtain, he began to arrange trips to the kever, particularly on the Yom side on the twenty-first of Adar, which was yesterday. Um, and so somehow he pulled that off and was able to get permission for groups to go and visit the kever. Um, even in nineteen eighty-seven, right at the end of the uh, the rule of the Soviet regime, the evil Soviet regime, um, there was quite a large group that visited the kever on the two hundredth Yom site of the. Uh, Noam Elimelech So let me tell you a little bit about Rav Elimelech of Lezhensk And why um, we uh, Why he is viewed In such uh, reverence and awe Within the Jewish world He had many, just to start off Many famous Talmudim Who themselves had a tremendous impact On Yisrael, on the Jewish world One of his Talmudim was the Chosev Lublin um, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Arumanov The Kozhitskar Magid, the and These were all Talmudim Of the Noam Elimelech And also Rav Kolimus Kalman Halevi Epstein The author of Maor Vashemesh Was his Talmud Um, His great grandson was the Piat Setzner Rebbe Rav uh, Kolimus Kalman Shapira um, Who was murdered in the Holocaust And um, he wrote the famous word Choevesa Talmudim And he was actually the great grandson Of the Noam Elimelech Which is quite interesting to note yeah. um, The Nomei Melech wasn't born a Chosid He didn't come from a Chosidic family His brother, whose name was Razusha, Was 15 years His senior had a great impact on him His brother became a Chosid And took him to the Maggid of Mezerich Who was a Talmud of the Baal Shem Tov And the Maggid had a huge impact And effect on his life And turned him into a Chosid Made him a Chosid um, He was somebody who was renowned For his love for Kval Yisrael His love for his fellow Jews they had great care and concern for all of Klai Yisrael. And he and his brother together would often um, visit different towns in Poland. And they would, in order with the goal of trying to uplift the Jews, to encourage them in the observance of the Torah and mitzvahs, and in their growth as human beings, as spiritual beings. And what they would do, interestingly enough, is they would find out, they would do their homework, and they would find out what is an area of weakness in this town, where did you struggle, maybe it's Shabbos, maybe it's Kashrus, maybe it's Snias, maybe it's Samish bacha Family Purity, maybe it's Limud HaTorah or Davening in a Minyan. They would find out what the weak points of that place was and then they would talk. And in their talk they would say, look, I've been struggling particularly with my Limud HaTorah, or I've been struggling with my Shabbos, observance. They would say, this is my weakness and this is how I deal with the weakness within me and maybe this will help the people of the town to listen to our experiences. That would be that technique, which was very powerful and very effective. In one town they went to, so um, for some reason they were staying in a different place. And Rav Zusha, the brother of Rabbi Elimelech, he was. They were very poor, and they, he looked like a peasant, and people didn't know that. You know, this was the famous Rav Zusha, the brother of the Noemi Elimelech, and he himself too was a very famous, well-known, highly respected person. Um, so he was mistreated by the people where he was When they treated him like a beggar And uh, they were not nice to him And then somebody recognized him And they came back to him And they said, you know, Rabbi, wow We didn't recognize it was you And we say so sorry, and please will you be moichil us And he said I am you But you should get mechila from all of the poor people That you've mistreated Because I represent how you treat a poor person and uh, therefore you need to get machila from all of the poor people, which is an interesting lesson because often we see in the world today that there's lots of anti-Semitism and very often Jews are attacked, certainly in Eretz Israel, with the, the many terrorist attacks that take place in Israel. So they're not attacking that individual. They're attacking every Jew. They're attacking all of us, all of Israel. And we should all remember that, that we – represent the Jewish people, and often we the focus of attack because we are a Jew and they're attacking all Jews. Um, the famous work, Noam Elimelech, which is the very classic sefer of the Rav Elimelech Oblijensk, so he didn't write it, he wrote it himself, of course, but he didn't publish it in his lifetime. It was published after he died by his son Eloza. In, Interestingly enough, he had a son Eloza and a son Eliezer, so they're two different names. We shouldn't be mistaken and think they had the same name. So his son Eliezer published the Sefer. And the reason that the, uh, very interestingly, um, the Belzer Rebbe said, the reason why his son called the Sefer Noam Elimenech is because his Noam in Hebrew means sweet or means pleasant. It's the same as Zush, Zusha was his brother. And they were so close and they had such a great uh, uh, impact on each other's lives. So that's why his son chose to name the sefer Noam Elimelech, like Zusha Elimelech. It, it's a reference to the relationship that those two brothers had, which is very, very interesting. There's a famous story that they were traveling, and they came to a town, and he, he was very tired because traveling in those days was – It's traveling is exhausting in our days. And we get onto the plane or we get onto the bus um, or the train. You know, it's very comfortable relative to what it was back then where they were walking, they were on horses, they were on, in wagons, very in rough roads. He got to a certain place and he went to sleep. They had been traveling for a long time. And the people of that town said, wow, we thought he was a big tzaddik. You know, a big tzaddik has to sleep like this. So his brother Zusha said, let me show you what a big tzaddik is. And they went into the room and there was a mezuzah in the room. He was fast asleep. He was out. Didn't hear them coming in the room. And he said, "Watch this." And his brother put his hand over the mezuzah. And as soon as he put his hand over the mezuzah, he woke up. So his brother said, "That's a tzaddik. He senses the power and the kedusha of the mezuzah. And as soon as that's blocked from him, it causes him to wake up. That's the son of a great tzaddik." Um, there was one. He, he often emphasized the anomaly minhag of the importance of telling the truth, of not lying, Midzvar sheker tirchak from a word of sheker and from any falsehood or lies, we should distance ourselves. We should all put great conscious effort into being truthful, into telling the truth, into uh, removing ourselves and disassociating ourselves from falsehood, from lies. Um, That's very, very important um, principle in a human being's life. And one thing that is so true is that when... Always gets caught out. When one's not telling the truth, when one's involved in lies or in cheating or in falsehood, you'll always get caught. Never will be the case when you're maybe it will take a little bit of time, but it will always come back to bite you. And that we should remember and we should dedicate ourselves to truth. It's a big important part of the life of a spiritual person is to live a life of truth and to tell the truth and to distance ourselves from falsehood. And so this was one of the major teachings of the Noam Eli Melech. And there was one individual who said, okay, I'm going to listen to the teachings of Rabbi Eli, the great Rebbe Elimelech of the Jens, And I'm, today I'm not going to tell any falsehood. And he was—he had this guy was a store owner. And he had a store and he locked himself in the back room of the store. And he said, I'm not going to be involved with anybody because I don't want to tell any falsehood today. And somebody came knocking on the door and says, do you sell an axe? He says, I don't have an axe. Leave me alone. The guy left, he came out at the end of the day and he, he saw that he actually did have an axe on one of the shelves. And so he was very upset. He went to the Nomad Emerich and said, look, I tried to not tell any falsehood the whole day. This is what happened. Nomad Emerich said to him, you know, maybe Hashem's telling you a, teaching you a lesson over here and telling you that we're not supposed to, although we're supposed to dedicate ourselves to truth and distance ourselves from evil, we're not supposed to remove ourselves from the world. We're supposed to interact with the world. And during our interactions, we dedicate ourselves to truth. We don't become a recluse who hides away in a corner, doesn't have anything to do with anybody, and uh, that's how we don't uh, involve ourselves in falsehood. We're supposed to engage and interact in the world. And that's the famous teaching of David Amelech in Tehillim. David Al-Melech says, Let's go, my children, listen to me. Who's the one who desires life? Protect your your ga- tongue from speaking evil, and your uh, lips from speaking deceitfully. So, um, the 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 great um, Rabbi Meir Shapiro, who was in Lublin, the, the Rov of Lublin. Um, so he would say the pasuk says, "Let's go, my children. Don't be actually and, and on the yeshiva of Lublin, the great Chachme Lublin, the great yeshiva that Rabbi Meir Shemira built. He has this pasuk." Um, Printed L'chubanim shivuli On the outside of the building And he would always say We have to interact with the world We have to go into the world The Chobetz Chaim Emphasized the laws of Loshan Hora Not speaking Loshon Hora Not by being a recluse But actually being involved in the world Which was this teaching of the Noam Elimelech as well Okay so let me teach Let me also share with you One or two beautiful lessons um, That the Noam Elimelech taught He said uh, Such a a vote that I really really love And I often think about and it's it's so beautiful and inspiring. There's the famous Pasuk in Shira Siyam. It says, B'nei b'yabasha That the Jewish people walked on the dry land in the sea. In other words, Hashem split the sea. Pesach is coming and we re-experienced the great miracles of Pesach, the foundation of our faith. And so it says that when the Jewish people on the seventh day of Pesach walked through the sea split and they walked... On the dry land within the sea. And the Noam Elimelech said that a Jew should always view their life. That they are walking. That we are standing on the dry land, but it's within the sea. That life is filled with miracles. Life is miraculous. And we should see the miracles around us. And open our eyes that we are B'yabasha B'tochayam. That we are on dry land, yes, but it's within the sea. It's just miraculous the, the workings of this magnificent world that God created. So whether it's the atmosphere or whether it's the, um, the ecosystem or whether it's the great power of the sun that energizes the world and the thousands of factors that have to be perfect in order for life to be able to exist on this planet earth or whether it's the magnificent, perfect Functionings of the human body, which are take our breath away, which are just so intricate and complicated and perfect. Whether it's the heart, whether it's the lungs, whether it's our digestive system, whether it's our immune system, whether it's the bladder and the and the uh, intestines. It's just wherever you look, uh, the eyesight, the ears. It's breathtaking. The, the, existence, the functioning, the magnificence of the human body as, it's in the dry land, but it's in the sea. It's miraculous. So that's what the Noam said. The, the life of a Jew is recognizing that every moment is, is miraculous in its existence, is a gift from above, is a gift from Hashem. And Hashem, is not coincidental. It's not random. The fact that we're alive is not by chance. Hashem is giving every single one of us each moment of our lives because Hashem believes in us because Hashem wants us wants us to produce the goods because Hashem trusts in our ability to contribute to His world and to the Jewish people and to society. That's why we're here, and that gift is to be uh, cherished and is to be appreciated and should be a source of inspiration for all of us to achieve. What our unique ability is in this world. Um, he also said a, a beautiful teaching on the famous Mishnah in Pirikavas, Pirikai Mishnah Chav. The Mishnah says, mm-hmm. Any any mm-hmm. disagreement that is for the sake of heaven. In other words, people are disagreeing, but they're trying to find the truth. And they are open to each other's opinion. They listen to the other opinion. And therefore, they can come to the truth as a result of the dialogue and as a result of the communication. You know, we live in a world today where there's no freedom of speech, where people don't listen to each other, where in particularly left-wing extremists want to close down anybody who's got another opinion to theirs. They cancel anybody who has a different view. Which is, you know, a machleikus that's not l'shem shemaim. If it's for the sake of heaven to get to the truth, we'll listen to each other and we'll work out what we believe is is the right way. Um, but the Mishnah says an example of a machleikus that's not l'shem shemaim is the example of Korach va'adasso. Korach and his um, followers and his community. So the the the, the Melech says, why does the Mishnah say Korach va'adasso? It should say Korach va'Moshe. That was not l'shem shemaim. But he says, the Mishnah is teaching us, Korach, Vahadaso, look at Korach and his community, and you'll see that they were fighting with each other as well. They were people that were B'nai Machloikas. They looked at bale Machloikas. They looked for arguments. They were always criticizing and fighting and undermining each other. And he says, that's, that's what the Mishnah is telling us. Korach Va'adaso are people that are not the Shem Shemayim and will cause fraction and will cause Machloikas and will cause um, rifts within communities, and he says, stay away from such individuals. That's that's something we need to be aware of and be concerned. And in fact, the Shulchan Aruch says, emphasizes that when you're looking for shiduchim, when you're looking for marriage partners for your children, so one of the things you should stay away from are bale machlokes, are people that are always fighting with everybody. They've got lawsuits with everybody. They they don't talk to this one. They don't have. Any relationship with that one, they, they are people that are involved in, in in fighting, that's something you should stay away for, from which the Norm Elimelech emphasized based on this Mishnah in Pierre And there's one more teaching of the Norm Elimelech that I want to share with you, that actually is up on his graveside in the oil, in the, um, building where his grave is. I'll share that with you
0: when we return. This is focus on our sages with Rabbi Danny Saxstein on 101.9 High FM.
1: So let's end off at speaking about the Noam Elimelech, whose Yotzad was yesterday, with one final teaching of his. Um, one finds in the in his grave on the oil a beautiful prayer that he authored, a magnificent prayer. Very moving and very powerful And it's written up um, uh, on, on the wall It's uh, um, inscribed beautifully And one says that prayer And then one goes to the at The kever of Rav Eli Melech Oblijensk And on that, uh, in that prayer He mentions the commandment via kamocha, That we have to love our fellow like ourselves And he says just like the Baal Shem Tov teaches what does the Pasuk say? Love your fellow like yourself. How does a healthy person view themselves? Well, they see themselves as being, you know, I've got good points, I've got good qualities, I've got bad qualities, but all in all, I mean well, I'm a good guy, I'm a good person. I have my weaknesses, I need to work on them, but I'm, I'm not a bad person, I'm a good person, and I'm trying hard to improve myself. That's how a healthy person views themselves. That's a healthy self-esteem. So it says, we Love your like you love yourself. We should see our others in the same way. So the other people who also they have good points and they have weak points. They have nice qualities. They have not such nice qualities. But in general, all in all, like I view myself, I should love them and see that they are also a good person. That they also try, and overall, um, they're they're a person that that is a good person. And he says, he emphasizes Rav Edi Melech in this prayer that he wrote. He says, Please Hashem, put in my heart that I should see the good points of my friend and not the bad points. That I should see the positive attributes of others around me and not focus and emphasize and be fixated on the bad points, on the weaknesses of others. And such a beautiful prayer and such a beautiful uh, mantra by which to live our lives, to learn to love our fellows and to see their good points and not emphasize their bad points. Okay, good. So that's some beautiful lessons and teachings and stories of the great and holy Rav Elimelech of Lijensk. And yesterday there were thousands of people at his grave on his side. I want to end off discussing the uh, Arba Parashios. This Shabbos we read a special after called Parshas HaKodesh, Shabbos HaKodesh. We read about the mitzvah of Kiddush HaKodesh, of renewing the new month. The Pasuk says, in Parshas Boy, which we'll read as the Maftir, the Shabbos, Yoyor HaShem El Moshe Ve'al Aaron, HaShem said to Moshe and Aaron, Be'eretz mitraim, in the land of Egypt, lay more, saying, HaKodesh Hazei Lachem Chadashim. This month will be your first month. Rishon Hu it's the first of the months of the year. And the question is, why is this commandment say, uh, emphasizing Be'eretz Mitzrayim? Usually all the other commandments, we know where Moshe and Aaron were, when Hashem spoke to them. Why does it say Be'eretz Mitzrayim? Also, another very uh, interesting question, Rashi, the first Rashi on Chumash. So if anybody opens up a Rashi on the Torah, the first Rashi... Um, Rashi asks the question. He says, is Hashem created the heavens and the earth. Rashi says, why does the Torah begin with Bereshus? Why don't we go straight to the mitzvah of Achodesh Hazel Achim, which is the first mitzvah commanded to Why don't we start with Why do we start with Bereshus? And Rashi answers a famous answer and he says, because Hashem wants to, um, set the tone and explain the situation clearly, that God created the world. And since God created the world, God can choose which country he wants to give to which people. And therefore, God gave the land of Israel to Avraham and his descendants. And therefore, Avraham and his descendants have a legitimate claim to the land of Israel. Isn't that incredible? So Rashi says, that's why Hashem starts with Bereshi's Baral Kimes Hashem to show that God created the world. And therefore, Eretz Israel God allocated to the Jewish people and therefore we have a legitimate claim to the land of Eretz Israel and he says when the nations of the world come and say the Jewish people have no right to the land of Israel we can show them that God promised it to us in the Torah and therefore our claim is fair and legitimate. Isn't that incredible that you know here we are in 2023 still the Jewish people are being accused of stealing the land have no right to the land of don't belong in the land um, We have major organizations Like Hamas and Hezbollah And uh, Palestinian Authority That openly say That the Jews have no right to land of Israel They were going to drown every single Jew in the, in the sea, in the Mediterranean And they won't stop Until they've wiped every Jew Out of the Middle East, out of the land of Israel We have Iran that are Hotly pursuing nuclear weapons In order to achieve that goal of wiping every Jew out of the land of Israel. But the Torah, Rashi preempts that over a thousand years ago and says the Torah starts with Horatius in order to show the world and show the Jewish people that our claim to the land is fair and square and legitimate. But his hava his question is, why don't we start with the Chodesh So what's so important about the Chodesh HaZelachim, this mitzvah of this month is to you the new month, renewing of the month? recognizing the new moon and declaring the new month. That's the mitzvah of Kiddush HaKodesh, and that's what Rashi says perhaps we'd have thought that would be the first the beginning of the Torah the start of the Torah. So let's try and understand what this mitzvah is about what it's teaching us. We know that we're coming to the festival of Pesach and it's interesting to note that even Jews that are quite far removed from Judaism that are not observant of the mitzvahs but Most Jews Certainly in South Africa That's the case um, Fast on Yom Kippur And have a Pesach Seder And many many Jews in South Africa Even if they're not observant of the other mitzvahs They don't eat Chometz on Pesach For the week of Pesach They'll only eat Matzah And they won't eat any bread They won't eat any Chometz Which is an incredible thing Because it's somewhere in the Jewish DNA In the Jewish psyche That Pesach is the foundation of the Jewish people That without Pesach you're not really a Jew that, that still remains to this day, which is incredible. So, what does Pesach mean? Pesach, the the word Pesach, which is the word of the Yom Tif, which is not far away, which is coming up in, in, uh, in uh, a very short amount of time, in about three weeks' time. So, uh, I'll just tell you the date of Pesach, just so our listeners are aware. Obviously, Pesach is on uh, Wednesday night, the 5th of April, is when Pesach starts, and it continues until Thursday, the 13th of April. So, it really is not far away. Um, Just over three weeks away So we say that um, Pesach, what does it mean The word Pesach The simple meaning of the word Pesach is to jump over Is to skip So what's that referring to? It's referring to the fact that the Jews put The blood of the Korban Pesach Of the lamb on their doorposts And every doorpost that had the blood of the Korban Pesach Was skipped over by Hashem When Hashem um, The tenth plague was the killing of the firstborn of Egypt, any household that had the blood on the doorpost, Hashem skipped over. And they didn't the firstborn in their family didn't die, but the firstborn in the families of the Egyptians died. That's the one, that's the basic what we call the Pasho Pshat the simple explanation. But the deeper explanation of Pesach of skipping over, says the Arizal, of the great Kabbalist, the Rav um Rav uh Yitzhak Luria, the Ari, Sikhraha, he says that it also is referring to that Hashem skipped the levels of Kle Israel. Hashem took the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. They were on Memtes Share Tumah, 49th level of spiritual impurity. Hashem lifted them out of that darkness. Hashem skipped, lifted, they leaped up from that dark, low spiritual level into the receiving, into the Exodus from Egypt and they're receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai. So it's referring to that as our Pesach, is we jumped levels, we jumped up and came out of the darkness of Mitzrayim. Please stay with us. We'll continue in a moment.
0: This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxteen on 101.9 High FM.
1: We're discussing the mitzvah of the Shabbos to read a special haftarah called, um, the, it's called Shabbos Achoydesh. We read the haftarah that deals with this mitzvah of Kiddush Achoydesh of renewing the new month, the first mitzvah Hashem gave the Jewish people when they were in Egypt. The Von Le says an amazing thing. He says, every time it says in the Torah, Ani Hashem that I'm Hashem your God that took you out of Egypt. It says so 50 times in the Torah says the Goan that each time it says so, it represents Hashem taking the Jews out of another level of darkness when they were in Egypt. They were on Mem Tesharitum, the 49th level of spiritual impurity, which is the lowest you can get. Once you reach, reach 50, that's the point beyond return. Um, they were on the 49th level, the lowest level. Hashem took them out, and it says so in the Torah 50 times, because each one represents another level that Hashem took them out. It says the Goan, but it also represents... The life of every Jew. That fifty times in the Torah says Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, but it means that every single one of us can be lifted by Hashem from the darkest place that we find ourselves, from the the furthest place away from God, the, a place of absolute um, despair and a place where we feel like the darkness is so thick, there's no hope, and we are crushed and we are broken, and we are have have no more strength. Even from such a dark place, Hashem can lift us. And Hashem will lift us. Hashem is waiting for us to put our hands out and to grab the rope that he's always throwing us and just to take it. And slowly but surely Hashem will lift can lift us all and will lift us all from the darkest places that we find ourselves. And that's why it says in the series adibras, the Ten Commandments, it says, Ani Hashem El Hashem Elokecha, say, It says that I am Hashem your God he took you out of Egypt. It doesn't say in Ten Commandments, I am Hashem your God, Hashem Baraz the create heavens of the earth. That would seem to be more appropriate. Because the point Hashem is making that that was the first contact point of Hashem with the Jewish people, that Hashem took us out of that darkness, and that's the basic fundamental starting point of the relationship between us and Hashem. That's the first impression. You know, we say that you only have one chance to make a first impression. That's very important to make. The first impression in the meeting between Hashem and the Jewish people was Hashem taking us, this month is yours. There's, it's about renewal. You have the capacity and the ability to renew yourself, and I will take you out of any dark place that you find yourself, even the darkness of the tribe. Hashem took us out and he brought us up to the hearts of Har Sinai to receive the Torah. We all have the capacity, if we connect to Hashem, to be pulled out of those dark places in our life. And that's why this it says, Eretz Mitzrayim, that HaKhodesh Hazel it says Hashem spoke to Moshe and Aaron in Mitzrayim. Because it's emphasizing where they were, even from that dark place. Hashem took them out. The power of renewal is a possibility for every single one of us. We shouldn't set ourselves short... I shouldn't think we are beyond redemption. And that's why the Ten Commandments, it says, I am Hashem of God who took you out of Egypt because that was the beginning of our relationship and that's an essential part of our relationship. And that's why it's the first mitzvah Hashem gives the Jewish people. So we always remember we have the ability to lift ourselves with Hashem's help, to grab that rope that Hashem is throwing us and to achieve, to pull ourselves up to a better, brighter, greater place. So that's the, the beginning of our relationship with Hashem. That's the fundamental lesson of the Shabbos of Pasha HaKodesh. That's the mitzvah of Kiddush HaKodesh. And that's the lesson we to le- or to learn about the month of Nisan. We're entering into the month of Nisan, the month of Pesach, the month of miracles. It's a month where Hashem lifts us. Hashem, uh, we jump levels, we skip levels. And we can develop ourselves greatly at this time if we open up to Hashem's salvation, to the light of Hashem.